Welcome to ED ECMO. Welcome. Welcome to ED ECMO. This is ED ECMO. And this was supposed to be ED ECMO episode 33B, a discussion on transvenous pacemakers. You know, my good friend Haney Malamut runs a conference called Recess Fest, which is a co-conference with Castle Fest, the famed ultrasound conference that's held in a real castle in Lexington, Kentucky. It's hosted by my friends Matt Dawson and Mike Mallon from the Ultrasound Podcast. Well, at Recess Fest 2016, Shiner and I both gave talks that were just too good to not post on EDECMO. But since they weren't recorded de novo in our studio and didn't focus directly on ECMO, I decided to make them each mini-episodes. So last month, I posted episode 33A, which can be found at edecmo.org slash 33A. Really amazing talk Shiner gave called Bringing Down the House, which was a wonderful description of how to change the culture of your resuscitation in your emergency department and, quite honestly, just run your codes better. Edecmo episode 33B was supposed to be my talk on how to manage unstable bradycardia using a hyperaggressive approach with transvenous pacemakers. But I'm postponing that for a few weeks. Instead, I have something really special. This is an eCPR success story, and it's just too good to not post immediately. Today is March 15th, 2017, and we just finished our endovascular resuscitation conference, Reanimate, which most of you are aware of which has a focus on extracorporeal CPR. And that conference was March 2nd and 3rd, 2017, just two weeks ago. Well, three ER docs from across town here in San Diego attended Reanimate with the hopes of bringing ED ECMO to their emergency department. Well, the day after Reanimate ended, on March 3rd, I received a call from a friend of mine, Sean Deach, who was one of those ER doctors that attended Reanimate is a physician at that hospital. And he told me an incredible story, and I had to share it. So yesterday, I sat down with Dr. Deach and recorded this story. So this is ED ECMO episode 34, the day after reanimate. Okay, we are here today with Sean Deach. Sean is a emergency physician. Sean, you and I trained together. Uh, how long ago was that? Man, I don't even want to say. That's so, a long time ago. Yeah, we trained together at UCSD, and uh, we both stayed here in San Diego. You are here at the uh, at the enemy, uh, Scripps La Jolla Hospital, and I'm over at Sharp Memorial, <laughs> as it. you know. Uh, and I think we've been working at each place for eternity. But uh, as you know, we started the project of doing... ECMO in our emergency department uh, now six years ago, and recently you guys have started your own ED ECMO program. So wanted to quickly uh, get some background on you. What? Tell me a little bit about your hospital setting and where you practice. Yeah, so we're at uh, Scripps Memorial in La Jolla, which is a non-academic community emergency department level two trauma center. We see about thirty-two to thirty-five thousand a year in volume, and um, four trauma bays. And we've just recently kind of come over and. Uh, Got an ECMO program up and running. And you guys are a cath lab center as well? Correct. So uh, in San Diego, there are several cath lab centers where uh, ambulances will bypass non-cath lab entities and bring them to a cath lab center. Uh, yours and my hospital are both uh, local cath lab centers. How far away are, apart are we? We're probably, oh, I don't know, 
15? 15 miles or About so? 15. 15 miles apart. Not that far and probably a 10-minute drive, 15-minute drive between the two. Uh, one of my uh, goals and dreams here in San Diego is to have a situation much like a trauma um, trauma center model or a cath lab center model whereby uh, patients who have medical cardiac arrests would be brought to an ECMO center. Uh, and we don't yet have that up and running yet. And that's part of the process here is uh, is getting our hospitals to work in unity to, towards this goal of uh, bringing us the survivable patients who, uh, who arrest in the field and are within a reasonable time from the hospital. Right. We're with you 100%. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about what brought the concept of ECMO to your emergency department? What was that process? You know, I think uh, we were we were kind of made of aware of it through you guys and the fact that, you know, we trained together and uh, Chris Ho and a couple other guys over at, uh, you know, at Sharp, uh, we all trained together. And so we knew you had the program up and running. And I think we had a, an aggressive CT surgeon uh, come over here from Sharp um, that we're both uh, friendly with and, and just an incredible guy. And I think he also expressed some interest in it, in it and was one of the the key components as far as wanting to facilitate us being able to put people on ECMO and cannulate and whatnot. And I think that just sort of lit the fire. And we had been kind of watching what you guys have been doing and letting, you know, you guys trial it and found that you're having a, you know, fantastic success and definitely felt like we needed to be on board with that and do whatever we could to resuscitate our patients. You know, I think Sam would be okay with us naming him by name. Sam, I think so too. He's Sam, a stud. Sam Baradarian. So CT surgeon, um, and uh, was at Sharp, now at Scripps, and just an amazing dude. Finally saw the light. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we just got done with our most recent uh, reanimate conference. It's the endovascular resuscitation conference where we teach uh, ECMO, ECPR, Reboa, and all of those sorts of things. So this last episode of reanimate, you and a couple of your buddies came uh, from Scripps La Jolla here. And uh, tell me about what your experience was at reanimate. You know, it's funny because we had you guys come and give us a little talk and walk through even yeah. before that. And, uh, you know, Chris Ho came out with his models and just an exceptional couple of hours with you guys. And I think it it completely lit the fire under us. And so, you know, Anthony and uh, Sean had already been accepted into it. And I tried to scramble and somehow got a, a last minute spot and uh, was lucky enough to get into Reanimate 3 with you guys. And uh, for those of you that haven't been, Reanimate is an incredible conference really focused around ECMO and putting people on pump and the actual technical skills to do that and, you know, post-pump care and how to run a pump and understand it and a little splash of Reboa and some other resuscitation type of things, which were just awesome. And so, uh, we were so fired up coming out of that thing. It was crazy. Yeah. So, really cool thing happened then. So, you come out of Reanimate on, finish our Reanimate course on a Friday and uh, you're back to work, like all of us are. We're back to the slog and seeing the uh, chronic abdominal pains and all that kind of stuff, kind of coming off the high of resuscitation and all this cool, cutting-edge crap. And then, uh, you know, you get back into the work-a-day grind of, of being an emergency room doctor with the occasional light of having somebody show up to your emergency room or be in your hospital who needs super hyper-aggressive care. Right. In fact, we were walking back because really where you guys had the conference is probably a five minute walk uh, from the hospital here. And so the three of us are walking back and I was working the, the 12 hour shift starting at 9am the next day. And I said, all right, tomorrow I'm putting somebody on ECMO. Yeah, sure. And, yeah. Right. And everybody laughed. And uh, so 
sure enough, show up to my shift, and it happens to be a slow Saturday, which is unusual in itself. But mm-hmm. I'm hanging out, and they call a, 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 a code blue at around 10 o'clock in the morning up in the cath lab. Now, you guys in your hospital run to the code blue. Right. We're, we're kind of direct the codes and mm-hmm. take the airway and get vascular access and run the codes and mm-hmm. begin that and hand it off to the intensivist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, anyway, they call a cath lab code, and I run up there you know, otherwise bored and happy to have something to do. And of course, somebody had leaned against the button and set it off and it was a total false, false alarm. alarm. So I walk back with my tail between my legs and hanging out, see a couple patients. And probably 20 minutes later, they call another code to the cath lab. So this time I head up there, not quite as, uh, you know, at as much of a pace as I was before. Yeah, sure it is. And this time I show up and there's a guy laying in the cath lab table and they're actively still trying to cath them and they've got CPR in progress. It looks like he's already intubated, and so I kind of walk in, put my lead on and gown up and walk in. I look at the uh, cardiologist, and I say, hey, it looks like, you know, he's intubated. Do you need me? And he said, well, you know, actually, I'm thinking about putting the guy on ECMO. And that was just like, whoa, here we go. Yeah. And he had called for the uh, the card already, which had, was kind of showing up at the same time that the I ECMO was. The ECMO card, yeah. Correct. And uh, so CPR is in progress. Luckily, they already had access, which was nice. As you know, that's probably going to be one of the hardest parts, but we had access there. And it was just kind of a cluster, though, at the time. You know, they showed up with a cart, but there were a lot of people running around and no one really that took responsibility for opening up the appropriate kits and knowing what to do. And so I looked at the uh, the uh, cardiologist and I said, let's do it. You know, I want to help. You know, we've got an ECMO program up and running now as, as of, of today. Right. <laughs> as of today. And uh, what do you want? He said, I don't know, whatever's on the cart. And I, so I said, you know, I started directing. I said, hey, grab this and that. Turns out we had a 19 arterial and a 21 venous, which mm-hmm. are, you know, bigger end cannulas i said break them out and Mm -hmm. we got a table and threw a sterile sheet on it and kind of set everything up in a rapid fashion and he had a wire that he was already putting in on the venous side first Mm -hmm. so we went vein first and so you know i kind of started next to him as sort of the dilator guy passing it up the wire sort of thing and i passed up the first dilator which he did and then by the second one i kind of you know had my hand on it at the same time as he's feeding it through and by the third one i had pretty much nudged him over to the left and did the third dilation and, you know, go ahead and throw in the venous side and it mm-hmm. luckily goes in really smoothly and, you know, do the underwater seal. And, mm-hmm. and then we go to the arterial side and, and basically I looked at him and I said, look, you know, I, I just want to do this one. And, and he's a great guy. And he said, you know, go for it and saw that, you know, kind of had the ability and understood what was going on. And so was able to throw the arterial one in as well. And actually there wasn't a big enough dilator. We called for a different dilator sure. and whatnot and got him dilated up and both went really smoothly and uh, was able to seal that as well and get them on pump and it goes and there's that you know you see it in the conference and you hear about it and you're just holding your breath waiting yeah. for it to be you know dark and, yeah. and bright kind yeah. of blood and it goes up on pump well and I look at the perfusionist and I say what are your settings and he said what do you want you know and I literally you know this was like 12 24 hours ago from the conference I said start him at a 1500 rpm put a sweep gas of three let's get him up to like 3000 if you can or try and get a flow of, of at least four liters and within a couple minutes we're, we're there yeah. and we got all the settings that we had wanted at that point, I look up and they're still, uh, you know, they're still pumping on the chest. And I say, you guys can stop CPR. You know, we're up on pump here. So we stop CPR and um, we go ahead and look up at the monitor. He's, uh, he's in a V-fib rest and we shock once and, and then right after shock again and get him back into a normal rhythm. And he actually starts to perfuse and have some pulsatility. And uh, at that point, I just kind of looked over at the cardiologist and I said, I think we're good here. Wow. And he said, great, man. Thank you. <laughs> and just turned around and walked out. And made it about 50 yards down the hall, as cool as I could be, and yeah. then just lost it. Yeah. You know, so excited. Freaking amazing. Yeah. It's great. So, uh, a guy who is in the cath lab, not even an ER patient, so now you are, have become the de facto in-hospital ECMO guy. Right. When uh, patients die and crump in the cath lab, and now you need to put somebody on. 
So congratulations, man. That's such a great case. Yeah, it was so great. And, and you know, like you said, it takes somebody that otherwise is, is definitely dead and gives them the ability to survive. And, you know, it's just uh, it's just an incredible feeling. Well, congratulations. That's a great case. Let me ask you one more thing. What would you say is is the biggest barrier that you guys have had? Have you had barriers to setting up your ECMO program? Oh, of course. So what would you say is the biggest challenge you've had in setting up your, your ECMO program? You know, I, I think it's just the unknown as far as, um, well, I'll back up and say, I, I think from the standpoint of other specialties, they just don't expect that because, you know, emergency physicians don't put people on ECMO, mm-hmm. right? It's just, quote, not what we do. Not yet. No. And, not yet, right. And, and most facilities, you know, so you bring that up to your interventional cardiology program or to the CT surgeons or your, your intensivists for that matter. Yeah, they look at you like you've got three eyes. Right. And you're crazy. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, that's not what you guys do down there. You just do ACLS. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think it's, it's getting everyone's head wrapped around the fact that, in fact, no, we can do that. You know, we've been dropping central lines for as long as we can remember. We know the Selinger technique, and obviously it's a little bit more technical than that, but certainly in our wheelhouse uh, sure. of what we can do. And I say this over and over, you know, we all, we put hemodialysis catheters in all the time. Those are 12, 14 French. Right. Uh, we're used to putting in big lines under Seldinger technique. And this is just a, sort of the next step in that. And then the other side of the coin is, you know, there's a bit of a, it, it creates a paradigm shift where, you know, the medics are bringing patients in nowadays. They they have the, the, the dogma of stay and play in the field because we as emergency uh, clinicians have not had anything to offer patients that have arrested in the field that they can't now do in the field because they can do the chest compressions. They can do the intubation. They can do the drugs. They can do all that stuff. And all of those uh, therapies weaken or get worse after you put the patient in the ambulance and transport them. So there was not a reason to transporting these patients to us. So we get much less volume of arresting patients and potentially salvageable patients because they work them in the field. And appropriately so if as emergency docs, we have nothing else to offer these people. But now maybe, maybe now we have a therapy that we can offer people that bring bridges them to the cath lab or bridges them to the OR or bridges them to the recovery of their metabolic problem or whatever the thing is. Um, I found as an emergency doc, it's created a new excitement in my practice in terms of not feeling that, um, that, that, that sense of nihilism when the medics come in with the one-handed chest compressions and you know what's going to ultimately happen and that guy's going to die. And now you have one last salvage tool. Right. And it's funny because even later in that shift, we had a 90-year-old cardiac arrest who's obviously not somebody that's going to go on pump. Sean put her on ECMO. Right. But I did anyway. No. And Reboa. <laughs> and Reboa, of course. And then a, a thoracotomy. Um, no, but, you know, just the fact that we've got sort of this new technique and this new ability. And now I'm explaining to the paramedics why we're offloading on the opposite side of the bed now and, and instrumenting some of the choreography that's going to change that you guys, you know, uh, came up with and taught us. And just the fact that we've sort of educating the pre-hospital personnel and say, hey, you know what we did earlier today kind of thing and what we can do in the future when you bring in somebody with that cardiac arrest. And it's just a palpable excitement even amongst our, our techs and our staff and our nurses. I mean, first of all, going to a nurse-run code, you know, they're just they're just loving it. Yeah, they love that. Stuff. They love it. And so, and, you know, having that responsibility and freeing us up to do sort of more of the procedural things and run sort of more of the background stuff is why they're, in, they're coding in the first place. But it's already, you can feel the excitement, even though yeah. as of right now, we've done one cannulation in the ED since mm-hmm. the program's been up and running. But, um, you know, you can just feel the excitement and everybody's sort of waiting. And I think that's going to spread out into the community and the pre-hospital personnel that they're going to be excited to bring the patient to us and see what we can do. Yeah, good. So, yeah. So cannulation under duress, eCPR, uh, so, like you said, a splash of Reboa, pump management, post-pump critical care, pump management, all of these things are the 
core of what we're teaching at Reanimate. Uh, Reanimate 4 coming up September 21st and 22nd, 2017. Go to reanimateconference.com, reanimateconference.com. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for uh, being on the show today. We will uh, hopefully talk to you soon about some more cases. Yeah, thanks for having me. And again, I really appreciate everything that you guys have done to further this uh, technology and to, uh, and to help save lives. 